Let's Talk PR and More. Public relations, media, publicity, integrated communications, marketing, digital, reputation management, and more. Let's Talk PR and More with award-winning PR strategist, Sherry Goldman. Hi, I'm Sherry Goldman, president of Goldman Communications Group, and welcome to Let's Talk PR. Today, my guest is Julie Livingston. Julie is president of the New York City-based Want Leverage Public Relations and a LinkedIn marketing expert. Julie leverages the PR power of LinkedIn, media relations, and digital marketing to transform under-the-radar executives and businesses into authoritative industry leaders. She's a member of LinkedIn Advisors, a three-time board member of the New York Women in Communications, and has been featured in Morning Brew and key industry publications, including PR News and Compro Business. So welcome, Julie. It's great to have you today. Oh, it's great to be here with you, Sherry. Great. So let's get started. Thought leadership, right? Definitely an important component of many public relations programs, an important thing that PR executives and industry leaders need to focus on. So let me start with how do you define thought leadership? Well, I think thought leadership is really, you know, having the ability to to really focus on what you do uniquely as a leader and what how you can the way you lead, the way you built your company culture and your your expertise in your particular industry sector. And the thought leadership is how you kind of develop a narrative around that and promote it so that it sets you apart. It shows people how you are uniquely you, how you have certain perspectives, thoughts, and ideas on different subject areas that make you somebody that they want to hear more from. I love that. You're an authority in your particular subject area and or your industry. I love that. And people need to do that because it's a way to differentiate yourself from your competition and from everyone else. And I know, listen, we're in PR, we've been doing thought leadership in some ways forever. And when we used to think about thought leadership, it would be telling them how to demonstrate that. So we'd write blogs, we'd take them to industry conferences, we'd have events. And today, those blogs become vlogs and podcasts. Um, Right. But right. So we also had them even more than that. But you know, today I, I was going to say it's leadership. all reliant, reliant on social media, right? So now it's a whole very, different very expertise so. in terms very of very much so. But thought leadership is not only you know to promote um, you know what you know um, and and what makes you an industry leader, but it's also a way to attract new talent. I mean. You, people can work from anywhere these days. Why should they work for your company? Many times they will be attracted to senior leaders and executives because of the thought leader, their thought leadership that they're reading on LinkedIn and other digital platforms. They're going to want to work for that organization. So thought leadership can be leveraged in many different ways and has a tremendous amount of value. That, that's interesting because – your, your job in terms of is it a company that has thought leadership is the executives thought leadership and this is your expertise so we'll go through all of this but you know where does some a company wants to do thought leadership where do they get started is it well, one executive is, is it people, all executives yeah. you know does it have to be you know, from the company what is, what do we do 
the company has obviously the company should have a particular brand positioning and messaging that supports that so that they stand out for their unique selling points and the value they bring to every interaction, the types of products and services they sell. But the the humans behind the <laughs> company are really they're the face of the brand. They are their brand the brand ambassadors. So the way they communicate their expertise, the way they're personal brand aligns with the company brand is the way that many that they'll form relationships with key targets whether those are existing employees board of directors the media investors and other you know vendors and other audiences that they may want to connect with potential clients so i think that the way you develop thought leadership is really through those individuals um, who are the who are front facing in the organization to match up Oh, absolutely. I mean, the hardest thing about from the company side is how to make sure the people who are out there, your ambassadors, represent your brand well <laughs> and, and align with your values. From a company perspective, should we have all senior leadership do it? Should it be one? Do they have to so yeah, it has to be the president question. or can we have, you know, 16 EVPs out there? It really kind of depends. Doing? It really depends on the size and breadth of the organization. Typically, it you know the CEO is one of the most important brand ambassadors for the company. Right. However, that person may not have the person. They may not have the persona or the visibility that maybe they don't want to be the face of the brand. It really kind of depends. And I always, I usually like to go with the people on this at the executive table to be thought leaders, to be positioned as such. However, sometimes there are people at a lower level, you know, they have to, you know, they have to be at least a director level, I would say, Okay. who have that kind of status and authority to really be positioned as somebody who has particular expertise. I'm thinking back when I was leading marketing communications for the Toy Association, and we, one of our key media spokespersons was a VP of safety, product safety. Okay. And so she was not the CEO of the, of the organization, but she had very specialized expertise and a phenomenal uh, depth of knowledge that really were, was unmatched in the organization. So she was the one to really field media requests and pen byline articles, et cetera, thought, thought leadership articles and uh, materials on safety specifically. But when it came down to bigger industry, far-reaching industry issues and major crises and, and things, membership issues, those were really delegated to the CEO and president because that person is right for those to speak to those subject areas. No, it sounds like best practices. I was literally just teaching crisis communications yesterday in Uh, one of my classes. And you know, one of the things you talk to one voice from the top of the organization, it should be the president. And when you talked about your experience at the Toy Association, it reminds me of when I set up a speaker's bureau for one of my clients, Alston Health Services, and we identified people and their core competencies and took them out to book them speaking engagements based upon core competencies. So it sounds like you can do a combination of I think both. you can do a combination. of. I think you can. I think that's brilliant. And and you know what? First of all, it gives you a lot of um, a lot more opportunities to have your thought leadership put out there, mm-hmm. right? You could spread it around a little bit, and those other people may also be more available and accessible than the CEO, right? And 
I don't know. I just think it's a great, it's such a great thing when you can have an internal speakers bureau on behalf of a brand and company, when you have multiple subject matter experts. Right. Um, it also really underscores how, how authoritative the company is as a whole when you have, you know, like a speakers bureau or, you know, you have a whole list of um, specialists who can address certain topics. No, absolutely. And it shows the bandwidth of the company. So I know you spend a lot of time on LinkedIn or a lot of your focus is ah, on LinkedIn. Ah, so, you know, one of the favorite. things we talk, I know we're going to talk a lot about that. So one of the things that we talk about thought leadership, how it changed it, it is more online. It is more now reliant on social media and online. And particularly when we talk B2B, it's LinkedIn. So let's talk about why LinkedIn and why the key, what are the key elements of a thought leadership program on LinkedIn that might be different from anywhere else? Yeah, LinkedIn is really where people in the business world live today. That's where they get their information. It's where they they connect with others in their network, where they, they broaden their circle mm-hmm. by, you know, looking for talent, strategic partners, and others that can help them build their business and extend their reach. So I have actually parlayed my PR experience into helping executives uh, raise their visibility and their presence on the platform. It is really the first place that journalists look when they are identifying a subject matter expert and um, they will look at their LinkedIn profile. And so if CEOs and other C-level executives and managers are really wise to leverage the power of LinkedIn. I mean, there are more, more than 900 million users on LinkedIn. Oh, it's in like 61 countries and many different languages. You can't underestimate the power of LinkedIn. But, you know, as digital is no longer something we use for an emergency communication, right? right. It's something that we use on a, on a daily basis. So you really, you know, it's just become, LinkedIn has become a prere- prerequisite for um, businesses and leaders to to establish who they are and to promote what they think about a lot of things that have to do with their business and their industries and world events. It's just, it's got to be a priority, in my opinion. And But it's more you know, than a resume, takes, right? Because it used to be LinkedIn was set your resume. Right. You know, is, when I think of yeah, thought leadership, what, what do you need to do? Because it's not just having a profile there. That's not enough. No, having a profile is not a resume. It's actually, it's a story platform. It's okay. a brand storytelling platform. And you can use it the way you optimize not only the LinkedIn's latest features, and they're always rolling out new things, whether or not you're using creator mode, which really bumps up your profile and gives you, and it's free, gives you a lot of graphical assets that you can use to really make yourself stand out. But creating a profile that promotes all of your skills and experience and successes, not in a not in an overly self-promotional way, mm-hmm. but in a way that kind of balances out who you are, what you're capable of, what your vision is, what your what you think about certain industry issues. It's really a phenomenal, phenomenal platform, and it takes time to build that up. I mean, creating the first step is really optimizing your profile and using that header section more effectively. I can't tell you how many executives I look at when I look at their profiles and they're just totally under underutilized. You know, having a, from all the basics, having a professional headshot taken 
I mean, you know how important that is, Sherry. You've got to have a great-looking photo. It's worth the investment. Julie, one of the first things I teach my students is how to set up a LinkedIn profile and make sure your About section says something, and it's just not the job description that your headline is just not the job title that you have at your most current job no it's it says really who where you, you want who to you want to be and who you where you want to go and all of that but that's for students but for executives it might be slightly different or it, you know executives, well, it's a little bit different but i before i even get to the content that there's an upper head in the, in the header right behind your headshot is an area it's prime real estate yet it often goes under not even used people ignore it but you could use that for another photo. It's got to be horizontal format. But use that for another photo of the, of the executive at a podium, giving a presentation, delivering a speech, working with team members in the field. And that really communicates their personality and who they are as a person. A picture's I mean, worth a thousand words, valuable. right? It so, totally is. But you can also, with tools like Canva, you can also overlay a few, few words that would communicate what the executive is all about. And I highly recommend using that background in the header section to promote who you are as a leader and, and the, the areas that you specialize in. Certainly then coming up with a catchy headline that kind of combines what you've accomplished and the kind of leader that you are, you know, whether you're people focused, company culture, you're a company culture expert, you're in the tech space, as a woman, as a female leader, that's something to promote. I mean, there are just a lot of things you could do with a headline by jazzing it up a little bit and not, again, not make it, it's, this is not a resume. It's really like, it's like your, your professional marquee. Is it more marketing or more sales? I think it's more marketing. Okay. I, I think so too, but I, I was curious I as to your perspective. I really don't, I don't, I find that when people get too salesy in their LinkedIn profiles, they diminish their credibility and I, I step, I walk away, I ignore them. As do I. Somebody who is so self, you know, so hard hitting, that that just it just diminishes who they are. You want to use LinkedIn to share what you know, not to necessarily promote what you know in a sales in a sales pitch, but really share your knowledge. So because the more you give, the more you're going to get back. I love um, that. And when you share knowledge, people are going to gravitate to you. They're going to want to know who you are. Well, they're going to want to look at your posts, right? What are, you, what are you sharing today? I know I know that Sherry shares such great content. I'm going to learn something from her, so I'm going to follow her posts. And you know what? Down the road, I think I want to do business with her because I really like how she thinks. So it's a process, and it's sharing. So that goes into the elements of thought leadership on LinkedIn. What, what, what drives the content, or what kind of content that creates thought leadership is versus just here I am, here's my resume, here's how smart and all the great things I've achieved. There's a difference between here's what I've achieved and here's how I want to educate you. Here's why I want to share with you. Here's why I'm a thoughtful leader. Absolutely. And the best way to do that is to develop a, an editorial uh, you know, content calendar, a content strategy first, actually. Okay. Focus on the strategy. What do you want to use LinkedIn to do? You know, what do you want to be known as, right? And in terms of your company and being, you know, uh, the face of your company, how, what are your personal brand values? And which, how do those align with the company's brand positioning? From, from the strategy, once you develop your content strategy, then you could start thinking about your content pillars. And those are the, the bigger topical areas that you want to own. 
on your in your LinkedIn content, and you need to stick with them. So for one of my clients, it is it is increasing female representation in the technology sector, okay. increasing female representation on corporate boards. So kind of being an advocate for women in business in, in the STEM in the STEM industries. It's also being a people person. She oversees a sales a, a, a field team of more than forty thousand people. Ouch. So she wants her her employees, her team members all over the country, to think of her as accessible as an accessible, caring, smart leader who really cares about their well-being and welfare and how their and their success. So we write a lot about people, and she's also very a very big proponent of mental health and wellness. Sometimes we write personal posts about her working out and what it's, you know, the, the positive effect it has on her uh, demeanor and her life, lifestyle, her productivity, her work, her motivation around work and just in life in general. But own those content pillars and stick with them and, you know, continue to develop content that really fits perfectly under those pillars. So my two questions for you would be, does that those pillars have to obviously batch the company's pillars or does that then become the individual pillars? And then B, let's talk about what that content is because it's not the same as you would share on Facebook or Instagram. It's not memes. It's not GIFs. It's not cute graphics. I mean, this really has to be for thought leadership and LinkedIn, thoughtful, in-depth pieces, I would think. It does. And you know, the best, I think the best way is to use LinkedIn as a storytelling platform. I love to, when I talk to clients, and I do a lot of their ghostwriting. Okay. I do the strategy and ghostwriting on LinkedIn. I mine, I try to mine our conversations for stories about things that they deal with on a daily basis, and then to blow them up. You know, an interaction with an employee about how they solved a problem can become a post on you know, these are my best tips for problem solving and helping an employee kind of may come to their own decision and empowering them in the process. What does that do for my client? That underscores her, her leadership. The fact that, again, that she's a people person and she cares about her people. It speaks to the kind of company culture that she has developed where people have a feeling of psychological safety and that she's empowering her, her team members to, you know, to develop their own leadership skills. So those, so I focus on things like that, taking a real story and then blowing it up and, you know, really folk, hyper-focusing on that in a post, sharing tips and takeaways, and then laying out the post so that it's easily scannable. So it's not only writing the content for the post, but laying it out so that there's kind of air or space. So in other words, bullet points, because basically on LinkedIn, you're, fit, you're fitting it into their template almost. So You are. So you are. You, can you can't put pretty graphics and all of that stuff. There's yes. not a lot of room um, You for can that. use bullet points, chunks of copy, like blocks of copy. Okay. And I like to selectively use emojis as I find that oh. that helps to guide your eye through the post. And you could be fun here, too. You know, you have to be tactful. But even using an emoji that's just a colored circle is a nice way of creating a bullet point. And it really does help people look at it. I, I also, in terms of the graphics, I do use a lot of license-free photos from sites like Pixabay or Unsplash. However, the best photos that you can get are of executives in action, and they don't have to be staged photos. 
These can be snapshots of an executive talking with their team, you know, in an office um, where they're all standing around. It could be her. It could be a, a screenshot of a Zoom screen where the leader is speaking, has a bunch of other people on the call. And, you know, when you post a photo like that, wow, that starts building a sense of community because your team members are seeing their faces on your, on your feed as well. That makes people feel so good and engaged, and it starts building this momentum and inciting them to want to comment, like, and share your posts because that's where the amplification and the power of great LinkedIn storytelling starts to get to work. Right, and, and that's true with a lot of social media, but certainly for LinkedIn. Is it organic, or do you really have to pay, rely on paid or digital marketing to really you know, start that process? Because I think one of the biggest challenges on any social media platforms is kind of who sees it. There are people who spend all day on it, but there are people who pop in and out, and are they seeing what you're posting because the algorithms don't show it to them. They don't necessarily show it to everybody who likes you or follows you and all of that thing. So it's a real challenge to be seen and be seen on a continual basis because that's what you need for your thought leadership to be successful. Well, there are a lot of things here that come up for me from that question. Number one is to have a number of connections. So executives need to initiate connections on LinkedIn within, you know, within their circle and keep building that those. And so when you have more than 500 connections, that's a good starting point. Okay. Um, of course, I'd like to see I a lot more I can check that at that. least. <laughs> I'd like, like to see more than that. But building your connections on LinkedIn really should be an ongoing process. And I try to get people to do that like 10 or 15 minutes a day, maybe two or three days a week, just to start broadening their whole, uh, their network. In addition, it's really important to know the right hashtags to use because that will make you more searchable on LinkedIn as a subject matter expert okay. and um, by so, so by subject especially. And so I, I always, for all of my clients, I have individual hashtag, uh, a hashtag spreadsheet with a number of followers next to it. So I like to look for hashtags that have more than 10,000 followers. And I keep track of all of those. And often when I'm posting on topics for my clients, now you can use up to five hashtags on LinkedIn. So it's different than Instagram. Don't go crazy with hashtags. Be really strategic and selective and use up to five. So less is better. So even using like three is ideal. And so you can use two hashtags like, let's say, strategy and brand or branding, which have millions of followers. And then for the third hashtag, you could go a little more niche and, go, you know, do something a little bit more specific, like maybe customer experience or something that may be more specific to your industry. Um, so it's not an industry she, hashtag. So when I use have a client that's a credit union, I always hashtag credit unions. Or listen, when I hashtag yeah, for myself, it's always no, public relations make... or PR pro or PR professor. So is that too industry specific? Well, remember, you want to be really selective and you want to use the small amount of hashtags that you have available on LinkedIn wisely. Okay. So unfortunately, you never really know how well your your use of hashtags is going. <laughs> so I play around with it a little bit. Again, if I'm going to use three hashtags in a post, um, 
two of them, I'll I'll look for ones that have, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. And then I'll go with the third hashtag as something that is more specific to a um, particular topic that I'm talking about. So there's no clarity. Like every post from one thought leader wouldn't always have the same hashtags. You will move them about based upon You might content. move them about, yeah. But I keep a spreadsheet for each client, so I do kind of know the ones I use on a regular basis. Right. And also, if you're in creator mode, so if you have more than 500 followers, you could switch up to creator mode, which is free on LinkedIn. What is creator mode? And that allows you, that gives you some really great extra marketing tools. One is the talks about section, uh, which are five hashtags that you could put in your header that, again, make you as a leader very searchable. And those you don't really change that often. But, you know, these are things that you talk about on your post. They would tie into your content pillars. Okay. And and so I update I I look at those regularly to make sure that those are on target for my my clients. But mine, for example, are PR, marketing, LinkedIn tips, public relations, and thought leadership. So anybody doing a search on LinkedIn using those hashtags, my name's going to come up. How do you measure success for thought leadership on LinkedIn? I mean, what what's a reasonable campaign, and how are you measuring success? Well. I want to, um, I'm going to look at the number of impressions, how many people have seen the post. Okay. And over a thousand impressions on a post is good. Of course, I like to see more, but it depends on the executives following and, you know, what's kind of typical for them. Everyone is different. Okay. So I'm going to look at the impressions. I'm going to look at the number of likes. And importantly, very importantly, I'm going to look at the number of comments and reposts because when people start engaging with the content, and I mean comments more than, oh, great post. I love your post. <laughs> no, I'm looking for substance. Like, wow, you know, your post really made me think about X, Y, and Z. And this is how it's going for me. You know, something like that. Right. And, and I assume you time, want it from more than their friends and their family and their husband and their wife. Right. Because and a lot of times time, it's friends I've, who do that. In a, I'm in the second year of a campaign with an executive. And uh, over time, I'm seeing that we're getting comments that are two or three sentences, whereas in the first few months, we weren't really getting many at all. And now we're getting 10 reshares, 15 reshare reposts that's great. of our posts. So that's selling to me, that's telling me that our content is resonating. You can also promote your thought leadership in the featured section. If you're on, if you have creator mode, that's another great way to showcase a particular post and to get your thought leadership out there. But I do look at the engagement on LinkedIn. I use now LinkedIn has an analytics tool. It's good. It's okay. But I actually pay for something called Shield, ShieldApp.ai. It is a very quirky platform, but I do I do use it for clients because it allows you to look at your LinkedIn metrics over longer periods of time, by week, by month, even by year. So you could start tracking content trends. And seeing which posts were your best. Like I'm look, I just did a report for a client where we looked back on the last six months to see which posts got more than 10,000 impressions and, the, and also the engagement. Why is that important? Because then we could see what kinds of content and topic areas that, that readers want to read more about from that person. And we're building on those. So we're really building on if it's company culture or the mental health ones uh, posts for this one client do phenomenally well. So we're going to keep focusing and digging deeper on that topic. And then I would assume 
I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, while that's great, it has to eventually resonate to the client's business metrics. So if they're positioning themselves, are they then getting more candidates applying for jobs? If they're positioning themselves as a thought leader, are they getting asked more other places besides LinkedIn or more sales? Because I assume somewhere it's got to tie back to business. You can definitely look at that. I also put a lot of weight on the anecdotal feedback that I get on my clients' posts. One of my clients who has a big field team has been traveling around a lot over the last few months. And people have started, when she walks into the office now, wherever that might be, in major cities around the nation, people start buzzing. When she walks in, there's like, wow, you know, I'm seeing you all over LinkedIn. And I actually get, I'm getting a lot of value from your content. I'm actually sharing it with my team. Great. And I feel like I know you. That is the measure of successful LinkedIn content. So in some ways it replaced maybe things that they should have been doing. Because when I hear that from a field team, I'm going, they should have been doing some great internal communications programs. And they weren't. And they've taken LinkedIn and they've actually used it for their internal comm outreach, which which is great. I mean, which is, it's it working. Is it's just I mean, a I, different you know, platform that I'm glad it's there for them, but they were lacking I think, before. Yeah, I think it's a layering <laughs> effect, Sherry. With so much of what we do in comm, we layer different types of, you know, messaging on various platforms to really develop uh, somebody as a leader and, and a thought leader, right? You may, yeah, you could definitely, you should definitely be using LinkedIn for your internal comms and external comms. Yeah, and you say layering. Should, should they be doing media relations? Should they be doing well, other things? I mean, right. you know, is it that's LinkedIn right. only or is that a good platform, a foundation, but you need other things as well in thought leadership? I think that LinkedIn is a phenomenal platform. And, you know, depending on who you are and what your business goals are, Maybe it is the only platform, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that you're only going to power up your and elevate your your presence and industry authority by by also layering it with, um, you know, with other with other activities such as the media relations and media, you know, content placement part, speaking opportunities, et cetera. So we're almost out of time. So my question for you is, how do people know if they should get started on thought leadership? And do you have any advice? Can individuals do that, wanting to get a platform and start their careers? Is thought leadership and LinkedIn something they should really think about? I do. I think that thought leadership and LinkedIn is something that anybody at every at any stage of their career can think about, even students, you know, because once you identify your personal brand values and how you want to position yourself and you take ownership of content pillars that sort of will be your guideposts for the content you develop, then you could really start putting your personal stamp on it. You know, I write a lot about it. I, I, one of my content pillars is executive presence. So I write a lot about executive presence, everything from how to, how to appear on camera to how to give a successful media interview to how to, give, how to interact with different target audiences in person and also virtually and the tools to do that. So own your topic areas. Own those brand pillars. And don't stray from them so that this way you underscore your authority and individuality, your distinctiveness in each of those categories. And that people will start to, to know you and associate you with those, those areas. 
That sounds like great advice and a good place to end this. Um, Julie, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for being here today. Really enjoyed it, and I learned a lot. Oh, I so enjoyed our conversation, Sherry. Thank you. You're welcome. That was Julie Livingston of Want Leverage PR. I'm Sherry Goldman, and that's Let's Talk PR and More for today. You can find more information about the show and about me at Goldman Communications Group's website, www.goldmanpr.net. Thank you again for listening today. I look forward to talking PR and more with you all again next week.